0: Welcome to the Tech Story Podcast, where storytellers kibitz about technology that makes us go, hmm, what's that about? Now introducing your host, Doug Thompson.
1: Hi, in part two of my interview with Wendy Weiner, we pick up and we find out what our speaker did when he found uh, this person from his past that had so impacted his life. We also talk about the authenticity of the first time you tell a story how it sort of changes after that. Uh, computers are obviously sexist. <laughs> that was an interesting discussion. And she goes on and talks about her next project, about uh, the Golden Blood. Sit back, relax, to uh, wrap up our interview with Wendy Weiner.
0: True story. This is a true story based on the recollection of the former five-year-old. So the sixty-something-year-old, very successful man, he's giving the keynote address, and he steps up to the podium, and seated directly in front of him is the Nazi that murdered Rachel. Fifty-some years later, what do you do? So he tells, he kind of whispers, this story to me, and he says, "Don't you think that would be a good film?" And I couldn't get it out of my head because what do you do at that point? First of all, do you believe yourself? You were a child. How do you know? And I said, "Ask him." are you sure it was him? Like, how did you know? And he said, you never forget the face of your nightmares And that was so powerful to me because, you know, okay. I, when he encountered it and I can't tell what he did, but there may be a movie, a full feature film about it, whatever, but the long and the short is that he took some action that otherwise, you know, he was, and then all the memories came flooding back, the kids and Rachel and watching them die and everything. And then he felt compelled to go on and, and, make a difference. Understand, like, had he not told that story to himself, I, I was privileged, we went a lot of film festivals, I was privileged to stand in the back of the theater and people watch that. And it's so, it's one thing that I know the story, one thing I can tell it's the story, but one thing to show it to people and have them sit there and like <gasps> shriek and tear at the exact right moment you told the story. So when you get to that space where you're telling a story that really hits home, if you're doing it cinematically, you're doing it, uh, you know, just, telling the story, audio, whatever it is, you get to that space, it reinforces the, the, the understanding that we're all really connected by a few really important emotional components. And an audience of strangers can feel the exact same thing that you felt when you first heard that story. And, and that's really, we are so much more connected than our ideas separate us and so that's why i i love the art of storytelling i like to talk all the time and no i i really like to um i like to experience and i like to listen to people tell their stories so there's a lot of subtext in that well i moved to to la to write a screenplay Where where to do that are you is your family supportive you know whatever you had a career before what did you do and how did you walk away from it and whatever and there's a lot there's a lot there that if you listen carefully you can hear it in her voice
1: yeah. and eventually you
0: get to peel back the layers
1: yeah. and I want to go back for a minute. so you talk about us being connected and then the other part of more than we know and it's, it's this dialogue we have with ourselves that, that puts this wall or separates us is that absolutely, absolutely.
0: overthinking it um, I have this policy now It's kind of creepy sometimes, a lot of times. If I have an idea that I can't get out of my head, like, oh, my gosh, I need to say this publicly. And I'm not Mm -hmm. getting a lot of whatever. So um, I'll make a video and I try and keep it to a minute if possible. And I only do one take.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That means I may stumble or cough in the middle or I may slur something and have to go back or whatever it is. Because there is such authenticity the first time you tell a story. Mm-hmm. The first time you hear a joke, even if it's a great joke, second time you hear it, and it's a great joke, and you've kind of forgotten the first time, oh yeah, but it doesn't, it hits you so hard. Yeah.
2: yeah so yeah. there's
0: there's authenticity in our stories. And when we're not, and now, so that means we're not on Instagram because we're not all about, oh, look at this car, I, I own it. No, I leave, whatever. You <laughs> like that? Just shake. Oh yeah. No, it's not. This is what I look at the makeup. I'll do it. Yeah. What? Come to me i'll do it and then i'll post it yeah and because i will, i'd rather be authentic
2: than mm-hmm. aesthetic
1: yeah and, and i think if you and you said something about this earlier when you're talking about your husband or the, or the good relationships too and this may have something to do with the, the the disconnect or the or the barrier we put up is we're putting ourselves before other people so if we listen into the story again going from their point of view and, and experiencing that then you can make that connection. And I think that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of what it is. I had a very dear friend passed away quite a few years ago from breast cancer. And I used to come to her and like,
0: oh, married stuff, whatever. just like, complain. And here's what she used to say to me. She used to look at me, look me in the eye and say, that's really hard. What was she doing, Doug? She wasn't solving it. She didn't write me a check. She didn't tell my husband to knock it off. She gave me permission to recognize that I was grappling with something that was not so easy. That was that was a great example of active listening.
2: Mm-hmm. She
0: didn't interrupt. She didn't tell me, "Oh, my mom said this or whatever." She just listened, and she gave me that that permission to feel. Aren't stories? a great way to give somebody else permission to feel
2: mm-hmm.
0: artwork is yes, of course you know um on the set film set my film sets, there's a lot of downtime there's nothing the lights, or we have to make a move or something there's a lot of time i like to ask questions because i i'm curious all the time so i asked um, this question what is the single greatest form of art and the answers were fantastic
2: mm-hmm. and
0: eventually the discussion got to that gourmet cooking a gourmet meal is the greatest form of art someone said child raising someone said photography whatever and the reason the person said this and and we all eventually went oh yeah that's great is because what is art it's really done from a place of love Mm -hmm. it's so i want to do Mm
2: -hmm.
0: it fills you up it's nutritious yeah it's filled in a certain way
2: yeah
0: and it can be shared and then once it's consumed It can never be replicated exactly the same way. If you make the exact same meal tomorrow, the squash will be a little differently, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it can't be a different piece of it, whatever it is. It can't be replicated. Mm -hmm. Isn't that hard? Yeah. The same with the story. When you hear a story, you come to, you as the active listener, as the listener, you come from a separate place and you go into that story and you, you're never you're in that mind space and you as much, you hear the story you may have just endured a loss you may have had a rough phone call with your mother you may have had you know your kids have called every stick at home whatever it is but you hear the story you are in a certain place and you're never going to hear that story the same way another time
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that that may not be the greatest world of art but it is certainly nourishing and it is great art because we have to share those things with each other
2: mm-hmm.
0: And the big ideas that come with them, mm-hmm. what James Altucher says, um, if you can't think of a thing to do, write down 10 random things every day. Think, things you observe, whatever. And then after a few days, a week, a month, you literally have hundreds of different products, services, ideas, what have you. Mm-hmm. And then you lay them out on the table and you let them have idea sex. That's
2: his phrase, not mine. <laughs>
0: And you'll say, you know what, this is interesting. What if this went with this? Wouldn't it be convenient if this did this? So we do the same thing in stories. I tell you a story about Noah, and you're like, well, wow. mm-hmm. how does that, how, in, who in my life have I reached out to that was implausible, improbable? Mm-hmm. And how did that work out?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you go to that space, and then you share that story. And then there's a commonality there that cannot be broken. It just can't be. There's no way you can say, you know Mm what, your story isn't as good as mine.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Tell it from the heart. It's as good. It's better than mine Mm -hmm. because it's better for you. The other thing is, saying it aloud is really important. Um, Russ Johns is great. There's just a lot of people on LinkedIn now that are fantastic. This love you, love you, love you. When you tell somebody, you lift them up. You tell them something and you say it aloud. It kind of activates another part of your brain. Keep saying it, feeling it, thinking it, saying it, and then hearing yourself say it, it does something for you. Simon Sinek gives a great example. He's walking along the streets of New York and gets to a stoplight, and there's a guy in front of him who's got a backpack and some papers are poking out. He he like pokes, taps the guy on the arm when you could do this, right? Taps on the arm and says, Your back, there's something, your papers are coming out of your backpack, and he kind of helps him. He's like, oh, man, thanks. I really appreciate that. That would have been terrible. Puts his papers in, and they cross the sidewalk, cross the next sidewalk. The guy with the papers goes one direction, and another guy is waiting at the sidewalk for them to all happen to be cross again. And he taps Simon Sinek on the shoulder. And he says, I saw what you did there. That was really cool. They, they, Endorphins like that, all that, that came, not only Simon felt good about doing it, and the guy, the recipient, oh my gosh, thank you so much, my papers, but witnessing it, telling a story empowers someone to witness a great moment in time, or a teachable moment, or maybe they don't have to go through it themselves, and the reason we tell these stories, especially in the tech world, is because it's people behind those computers, it's problems we're solving for people, it's you know, whatever the, whatever the product or service is, on the other side of it, more than likely, there's a person. It's not business to business, human to human. We have to be able to talk and speak in stories a little bit so that we can get to a place where we relate. You know, I was on the phone to the doctor's office. I was making a appointment, and, and I said to the gal, and she's like, my computer does not want to work. And out of my mouth, I just like I can't, I don't know what the deal is. I'm not sure. And I said, yeah, it must have been programmed by a man. I was just, it just came out of my mouth. Because, you know, that whatever. <laughs> I
2: <understand.
0: And> she <laughs> dropped her phone. She laughed hard. She said, I've been having trouble all day. And I thought it was me. And now you give me a good reason to just go home and be, you know, and tell my boyfriend, whatever. It was so, she laughed. She said, I did that so badly. It was just a one-liner. Like I, I used it a hundred times. It, whatever, And I could have said, oh, it's a dive. Oh, they moved it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Connecting through a one-liner or a yeah. switch. So yeah. I felt that frustration too, but I only felt it with my husband. And then she laughed and whatever. That's yeah. important. We yeah. have to connect more often and more generously because yeah. we don't know what's going to come on the other side. Yeah. I remember going back to look at my list um review my list i actually have the where i, I summoned no i have that i sometimes my screen captured it, and um i was able to like, pull it <clears throat> i was like oh my god i hope i tipped him <laughs> like if he got back to me i was like oh crap did i tip
1: him uh, okay that's uh you know you mentioned uh again there's such a wealth of stuff here i could dig in forever so um I'm no it's, sure. it's it's great i'm sorry. You throwing know, candy, your Beatles, whatever. You're like, no, when you like- when you talk about the technology piece, and I talk to a lot of, they're not dumb people. They're very, very bright people. But but one of the things they do is they think a lot of times they think that because they think it's cool, or it does this that it's perfect, or it's it, it not realize in and Microsoft they used to be really bad about that when they would design Windows from yeah. their point of view, right? I mean they would design it as a man, as you were as you were referring to earlier. Instead mm-hmm. of taking feedback from the customers of this is what we need. And, and that's why when I suggest to these the people that I talk to is start with, try to meet your target or your customer or, or whoever you're talking in, in sales, you know, it's your customer. Start your conversation there where they are. What are they feeling? What are they doing? And then see how you can f- fulfill that need. Sometimes you can't. And that's okay, because not everybody's stories for everybody. That's that's fine. But but if you're starting there, where you get an understanding of, of their day in the life, and I, and now this was a question I wanted to ask you, is when you're working with these stories, do you think are you thinking of the viewer, who's the audience in mind of their frame of reference and stuff to get this across?
0: <clears throat> I I am the audience, because mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit with this. I'm not gonna sit with it as often as Noah will. He will get it through editing and post, and he directed Rachel. So 24, he'd already directed an award-winning film, and but he was so meticulous about again very close range, and I am not. But I'm going to watch the film, and I'm I'm gonna I'm only going to produce things that I would enjoy seeing. So because I, you're going to be married to this thing for a long time, and I I was offered one time. Um, to produce a film. Oh, it's so funny. The same night I met Noah, by the way, I was in this meeting and this guy pulled me aside and he said, hey, you know, I'm sorry this fell apart. It really sucks. I really apologize. I just got off for this project. Um, it's about a circus. It's a musical. And I think Hugh Jackman's attached. You want to work with me on it? And I was like, Nah, I think the circuses are creepy. Yeah, the clowns. <laughs> yeah. Well, the greatest showman. But anyway, so, but that said, like you, if you don't, if you are, if it resonates with you, the first time, fifteen times, twenty-seven times, three hundred times, then you're you're making it for you, for people like you, because tell we're people, and we have, we have paradigms, whatever. The marketing people decide how it how it's marketed and what context. And there's some great films that that die on the vine. That's kind of a big metaphor. But there are some grape prices, grapes that die on the vine because they're not marketed properly. I'll give you a perfect example, Princess Bride. They just didn't know how to market it. Is it a, is it a swashbuckling comedy? Is it a romance? Is it a kid's movie? Is it an adventure story? They didn't know how. Which, had they put it in front of a test audience of a range of people and said, what do you think this is? And they'd say, oh, it's all of the above, or oh, it's really an adventure movie, they probably could have so it died at the box office so a 20 million dollars so film, $17 million dollar film blah blah they they advertised it wrong and it died only at some point in time when people the few people who loved it started to talk about it and coincidentally in 1987 88 VCRs came out and that first Christmas everybody got VCRs on a stack of films and what or or, or they were you know they were more much more Purchasable, right? Reasonable. And then everyone's like, well, what do I get my kids? Oh, here's one that the whole family will enjoy. It's fun, Whatever. And those few little birdies that talked about it get it into a huge iconic classic hit. It made so much money on the other side because of video. And then still cable, you can always turn it on, turn it on and find it. So um, that's the thing. The stories are for us. If you don't love it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't resonate with you, then hand off the the other part of it to somebody who does resonate with them, so that you can have that conversation. They can have that conversation. This software is this really works? Because what? Here's what I found previously, but this takes away all of that. I have so much more time. I'm better looking. I'm I lost 30 pounds. Whatever that. Whatever the. Oh, really? That's what it did. Okay, great. That's the important component of it. That's where we um we lose our thread is we forget that we're telling stories for people we're yeah. making things for
1: people yeah you you're you the story you just told reminds me of it's a wonderful life you know which sort of died it was it was because right. the copyright or something expired they started doing it for free and people just loved it i mean now it's a big classic you know, wizard of Oz
0: box yeah. office failure yeah. came out
1: huge, so that's the thing
0: it's it's it just didn't find its audience the first time. Yeah. That's why you make a lot of sales calls. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, to find that where find it lands.
0: but when it does find its audience, and you get someone who's really understands it, and then they become a huge supporter, they become that that uh, that what do you call it? This Malcolm uh, Gladwell. Anyway, they would become the one who's like, okay, this is great. You know, the town
1: crier basically. and yeah. say, This is great all of a sudden you see the upswing. That's why. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's, and we're, we're I want to, this is so much good stuff here. You know, it's oh my
0: God. The, okay, Matt, yeah, I'm so sorry. But, no, no, sorry. no.
1: You were kind enough to reach out to me on more than one occasion when you saw a video or something and you, and you know, the, the comments that you made, you know, it's, it's the, you inspire me to keep going. Cause sometimes you're, you're doing these things and, and you hear silence. So Yo, you're not hearing you're not getting heckled or anything like that, but sometimes just getting that reaching out to somebody and encouraging them a little bit or giving them a little advice mentorship or something is just is just so valuable. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you on that. So uh, I wanna I wanna thank you for that. But so what do you what do you what are you doing next? So we we've got these other things. What are you doing next and then we'll sort of wrap it up how they can get a hold of you?
0: I have like the coolest project ever. Seriously. Super exciting. I don't do it all. Okay, the New York Times had an article a couple years ago that there are these odd, very small percent of people in the world that are called the sleepless elite that can function on three to four hours sleep a night perfectly fine. I'm one of them. Used to make my sisters crazy. One of them when I was growing up because I never needed sleep. One of my, when I am 100 years old, I will always still be grateful to my sisters that they did not murder me in my sleep because I kept them up all night and it was just. It was terrible. My parents, too. Anyway, so, um, but this one I for sure don't, please, because I'm super excited. Um, It's called My Golden Blood, and it's a great story that Noah, the script he brought to me originally, and literally, and sat it and put it in my lap, and we talked about it for 17 hours, all the drive up to Seattle from L.A., and it's a great story about a young man who runs away from a really toxic, abusive home, and he runs... He finds a mentor who says, "I'm going to make you great. I'm going to turn you into. You're going to change the world. I'm, you're going to be my number one guy, and you're going to change the world." And and um, he says to him over and over again, "I see your capacity for greatness." Well, the the young man Clay is his name. Bites line and sinker, and so he be, he runs away from home, and he becomes this this man's number one and um and he's so programmed and trained and physically astute and so encouraged to use the rage that he felt as a kid um he goes forward and he starts to enact these things that it turns out the mentor is really this megalomaniac who really really narcissist who takes broken young people and he rebuilds them into weapons and so he has rebuilt clay into this very very dangerous weapon and sure enough um, as Clay is, is taking the, you know chicken, taking things off the list, he runs into a young woman who kind of stops him cold and says, "I don't think that's who you are." do you paraphrase a lot. and he hates her, hates her. And sure enough, um, he just finds out that maybe he isn't who he thought general thought he could be. And then what do you do when you've lost everything? And he finds a way to rebuild that. And uh, it's a great project. Um, Fantastic um, executive producer in Los Angeles, who has spent a lot of years in the industry. Um, There is no cinema right now, theatrical distribution, but it'll it'll probably be a television series, like stranger things, like series. Mm -hmm. um, That's what our goal is. Um, We've written the first book and the second book of the series and um, the coolest thing, this is my favorite, I love the story. I think it's so re- reminiscent of every kid who's ever run away from home and then gotten sucked into a gang or something equally disastrous and then they can't, they don't know how to get out again. How do you figure out if you, how do you get out, right? So um, golden blood is really a thing. My golden blood is the name of the story and clay possesses this unusual genetic characteristic of golden blood. So I don't know if you, I'm a regular blood donor. I don't know about you. But if you happen to know your, your blood type, um, so uh, I'm A positive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So as golden blood, they're either A, B, or O, or maybe A, B, but the, whatever. And they don't have negative or positive. They have no antigens. They're mm-hmm. RH null. And there's maybe a few hundred of them in the world mm-hmm. at current, you know, accounting. counting. Mm-hmm. And their blood is really gold. I mean, literally, yeah. it's worth it. Because it can be, um, it's got a lot of healing properties in it because of the lack of antigens, and it is it can be transfused into somebody who's got A positive and A. So, but they really kind of don't they don't get unless they have to, and then they kind of keep them. They know where everybody else is with their blood type. That wow. said,
2: wow,
0: um, that's that's pretty I, cool. It, it's really cool. I was donating blood a few weeks ago, and um, this. I guy said like checking in, he said, Now what studios? What do you do? And I said, I produce feature films and television. He's like, Really? What are you working on? And I said, Oh, I'm I'm working on a project called My Golden Blood and the nurse who's in charge dropped a test tube on the floor. It wasn't <laughs> full of anything. Like it was a plastic one.
2: Yeah.
0: She says, What are you working on? I said, My Golden Blood. She said, I just drew blood from a woman who has golden blood here in Minnesota.
2: Wow. No way. No way. And
0: she said, Yeah. She said her mother has it, she has it, and her daughter has it. And this woman gets a notification via text. You need to come into the nearest blood center. oh, we need a test tube of your blood."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they immediately pay her a tremendous amount of money for that. Yeah. I mean literally that, that day, and then she makes arrangements, and she goes in and she because it's so incredibly valuable and it's mm-hmm. so and so that said. so our project is we know that we'll do well by doing something good. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, I, I like that. It sounds, wow. me, this country for people to make, become blood donors, especially yeah. the demographic we're working with.
2: Yeah.
0: So we will empower people
1: through the book and through all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, blood donors,
0: even for just the sake of knowing what their blood type is, maybe it's golden. Who knows?
1: Yeah, now mine, mine's like the second most popular type. I think it's A-something a on that. But, yeah, it's uh, not golden, maybe slightly uh, copper-ish. <laughs> is, okay. But the rest of you
0: is, yeah. uh, you know, you can't
1: have everything. No, you can't. Have it. So, Wendy, how, do, what's the, how does the best get a hold of you? Or if they want to follow you or follow what's going on?
0: That's what I think. So, um, am thrilled to connect on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's a great um, um. There's a My Golden Blood page on LinkedIn as well as in Instagram. Um, and uh, we'll keep people updated cool. on and what's going on. I have no idea how long it takes in a pandemic. To get it yeah. to get all this together. We're, but all sort of, we are,
1: we're all sort of building this plane down as, as we're going down a runway. So it's it's sort of strange for us all. It's very funny. It's very funny. So it's a great analogy. In yeah. my
0: business, we, we always look at the, every project is like an airplane the glider. Wings yeah. are landing gear.
2: Yeah. Wings
0: are how it flies and landing gear is how it sells.
2: Yeah.
0: In my industry, if you're gonna make do what you want to do, you gotta figure out the landing gear first. You have to know
1: how it sells. Yeah. And then you just out
0: exactly what the gonna
1: look like. I like not
2: that.
0: just hit the barn and we'll do a show. We don't get to do that anymore.
1: That yeah. doesn't work. Well, Wendy, thank you. You've dropped so much golden nuggets of golden blood and stuff on through this for the storytellers. That oh. it's. I, I hope the listeners take as much out of it as I did because I thought I knew a lot in your story coming in, but you just increased so much more. So I really appreciate that and thank you. I
0: was able to slow it down to half speed and because I spoke really fast, but. A- I'm always excited to speak with you, Doug, and it's always such an honor to watch you as you travel on your journey and the, the way you pull in people to help them, help empower them to tell their stories, so they don't, you know, we all, everybody feels alone in the dark sometimes, yeah. and so it's it's a great idea too. All
1: right, uh, turn on the lights. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Pleasure. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tech Story podcast and it would really be helpful if you'd go out to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast and rate it. You know, give it a 5 star cuz it helps other people find the podcast. It really raises the visibility and it would mean the world to me if you would do that.